This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week television podcast. Joining me today, Dan Barrett, the Deputy Editor of Media Week. Welcome, Dan, and regular Media Week contributor, TV critic, all-round good guy, Andrew Mercado. Thanks, James. Hi there. Hey, James. Hello. Hello, team. Now, look, we'll start this week uh, talking about the Emmy Awards broadcast in Australia on Fox 8, I think it was, just a couple of days ago. But the um, awards seem to get a reasonable rap this year as a, as an, as a telecast, apart yeah. from, you know, the results. Yeah, look, I think it's really, really interesting that, you know, earlier this year there was that claim levelled against the Oscars that it wasn't diverse enough. And, you know, Hollywood and cinema and films, we've talked about it many times here, is in such a funk. And then you get the Emmys, the best in television, and there's there's plenty of diversity there. You know, the cast of The People vs. O.J. Simpson winning, and uh, it's just really, really great to see that television seems to be a much more welcoming place. And it was fascinating at the beginning of this year when that conversation was taking place around the Oscars, so why the Emmy, why the Oscars? But earlier, we'd seen the Golden Globes, and they were praised for the amount of diversity taking place there. And that was the contrast with the Oscars, where they're saying, well, if the Golden Globes had it right this year, yeah. why don't you? But you compare the Emmys to the Golden Globes earlier this year, and the Emmys, by and far, had it well over the Golden Globes. Yeah, and it doesn't feel forced either. It's like you look yeah. at the you look at those the, the guys that won for O.J. Simpson, you go, yeah, of course, you know, amazing performances yeah. there. There were some that are slam dunks. There's a couple where you probably thought that the person of whom was voting may have looked at the list and went, I probably should go a more diverse option here but you couldn't argue those choices either no. so it was probably skewed slightly but not really in a negative way yeah I mean, just on that diversity thing too i think what we're saying is i mean there's plenty of diversity in movies but that doesn't get reflected no. in the oscars does it we're not mm. saying there's more uh, actually no that's not quite right i think in hollywood cinema and there's uh, people have done the math on this sort of thing the number of people winning at something like the oscars is actually fairly reflective of cinema the problem is the industry as a whole where so you're saying there's lots of white folk in Hollywood movies. There are lots more of white so folk. than mm. television. Yeah, pretty much, and it's just okay. an issue with the industry as a broader issue. And they're it's certainly just, the ones voting too. Yeah, it's just because the Academy Awards sort of shine a light on the industry. Suddenly, that becomes the focal point for it. But it's a much broader problem that exists within Hollywood cinema. Okay, okay. Is there a more active indie in cinema scene than? The indie scene... Because it's not really indie TV scene as such, apart from, like, YouTube There's an emerging indie TV scene where you're finding lots of independent producers of whom are mounting shows and on-selling as SVOD providers. So it's starting to happen, but it's still going to be a little while before you start seeing a lot. Um, A notable one is on Netflix. There's a show called The Jams, which is a four or five episode run. But you're starting to see quite a few producers doing this. But look at that figure that you had in your magazine, this issue or last issue, the, that firm that had done the auditing on Netflix, how popular their shows were. Paracanalytic. Yeah, and you have a look at better things like way up there with three million and something miles ahead of anywhere else. I mean, better things is what everyone's talking Str- about after Stranger the American... Things. Stranger, Stranger Things, yeah. I'm sorry. Better Things is another show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what's confusing me. Stranger <laughs> Things has been the conversation that people have been having after the American summer not Ghostbusters and not all those movies that tanked what were people doing they were watching Stranger Things on Netflix it sort of says it all yeah the conversation after the Emmys I noticed were lots of people saying oh this is proof that movies are dead now and TV is really you know the thing this year what I would maybe say is that I don't think movies are going away. Rather, the cinema theatrical experience is going away. Movies are still becoming very popular. People are just watching them on Netflix. Mm. So you see some of the conversation, uh, the conversation that surrounds film now, and some of the films that people are discussing are things that have really just appeared on Netflix. One of the most buzzed about films I've seen this year was It Follows, which is a really low-budget horror film, but lots of people are talking about it because they found it on Netflix. Mm, interesting. Those, I call them boutique broadcasters, which isn't mm. accurate, but for the sake of this conversation, it'll do, <laughs> yeah. have taken over the Emmys, haven't they? I think uh, HBO, 22 Emmys, I'm counting the Creative Arts and the others. Yeah. Uh, FX was the next biggest winner. Mm. Then Netflix had, like, I think um, HBO, uh, um, FX had about 18. Netflix had about nine. So between them, they had 50. The yeah. four broadcast networks between them had... <laughs> Less than 20. Barely registered. So, yeah, 
compared to that. So it was just a really yeah. well, pathetic haul for them. On the Emmys broadcast night itself, not including the technical awards, which are a two-night thing previously, but on the ones that we saw broadcast in Australia, there was only one going to a broadcaster, as right. far as I'm aware, mm-hmm. and that was for uh, the actress from American Crime. Regina King. Regina King, yeah. And, yeah, which she should have got it for the leftovers as opposed to yeah, right. American Crime, but whatever. Is it American Crime's only available here on Presto, isn't That's it? right. Yeah. Yeah, two seasons. So what I thought I'd do, I might power through a few of these, um, uh, the, the main awards and get your guys' comments on maybe a winner and who missed out. Uh, let's start with the Outstanding Comedy Series, Veep. Again, I think a, a repeat winner there. Yeah. It's been up there quite a bit, hasn't it? Um, people who missed out, um, Modern Family missed out. I think they've had their fair share, though, in the past, though. And Transparent, was that a winner last year of this category? No, no I think it, it won a Golden Globe, though. Golden Globes. For that category, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Any comments there about the other ones were uh, Backish, Master of None, and Silicon Valley, I think, which you enjoy, don't you, Dan? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Veep is by far the best comedy on TV. Like, there is no argument on this one. Jill Louis-Dreyfus won for Best Actress as well, and there's just no argument. Like, she's amazing on this show, which is an amazing program in its own right. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think w- one to watch in future years, it's not their year yet, but if they continue doing what they're doing, I'm, I'm reading a lot of buzz around Blackish, which is screening now on Seven Flicks. You know, it's a sitcom, but they're going into areas that are really controversial areas. Like they did an episode on can we still watch the Cosby show in reruns. Uh, outstanding drama series, Game of Thrones. They're yeah. cleaning up uh, the big the big winner again this year. Um, I, I mentioned to Dan uh, in our Seven Days podcast the uh, really awkward scene in the... Um, there's some great uh, vision up of the press room interviews with all the winners and all the cast of Game of Thrones came out together and it's so awkward, you know, that they none of them know who should answer the questions. <laughs> the questions are really pathetic and it's just really funny to, to watch that. Um, the people who missed out because of Game of Thrones, the Americans, mm. Better Call Saul, uh, Homeland, Downton Abbey, House of Cards, which is a repeat uh, repeat uh, misser, what do you call it, a repeat loser, I guess, yeah. at the Emmy <laughs> Awards, and, that, and Mr. Robot. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the Americans are, are thrilled just to finally be nominated. You know, I think they're happy that they were just there. And, and a lot of those other shows, they've better called Saul. Has yeah. they, have they won anything yet? No, I don't think so. No. They may have won for... Actually, no, I don't think they've... No, they get anything. nominated, but yeah. yeah. How, can, how can you beat Game of Thrones as the biggest show in TV right now? Now, I do think the first season of Mr. Robot definitely is a very strong contender in terms of quality. Second season of Mr. Robot, as audacious as that has been, I don't think is really a contender in this category right. for next year. But because it's first season yep. nominated, like, I think that definitely I think had a better season than Game of Thrones. But in terms of popular vote, Game of Thrones is going to take this thing. Now, this might sound like I'm down on the local TV industry. I'll say that first. But remember, there used to be that chat years ago that Australia's got the best TV in the world. We're so lucky. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. I'm not sure if I bought it back then. But, gee, look, looking through some of these shows, you've got to think, wow, there's some good content there. And, um, you know, I certainly don't think that argument holds much water anymore. That uh, uh, Someone said, because I've been reading all the full preview issues of TV Guide and Entertainment Weekly, and one of the he- network heads said... We need to stop saying there's too much good TV. People don't say, gee, there's too much football, is there? It's just you find time to watch it or that's not your team. So, mm. yeah, but we are reaching this saturation point with the number of scripted dramas at an all-time high. And you don't have to watch everything. You just no, find no. the things that appeal to you and you go with that. But I want to, Dan. That's <laughs> the problem. I want to watch everything. Okay, outstanding limited series. I mean, look at some of these. Uh, the People versus OJ, which won. American Crime, Fargo, The Night Manager... Roots, you know, wow. All brilliant. Yep. Yeah. All brilliant. All amazing. But o- People vs. O.J. Simpson was my show of the year like that. Yeah, now you had an interesting piece this week, Dan, that talked about where you could watch these shows now. Now, there's no way to actually watch The People vs. O.J. in Australia at the moment, or no, you, unless you could buy it. Can you buy it on iTunes? Oh, uh, gosh, I did look that up, and I can't remember quite now what you can do. Uh, but I can tell you there was a global deal signed with Netflix about a month or two ago, and it does mean that from January next year, you'll be able to stream it globally. So it's mm. one of those series I've got to catch up with. Yeah. How hot is true crime at the moment, hey? Especially after the John Bonet Ramsey thing. Right. Who, who saw the, the figures, the number one show in Australia on Tuesday night? No, but wouldn't you? Saw. I mean, if we were chatting, and a couple of weeks ago, I would have said, look, if you stay up, you'll be staying up to 11 o'clock to watch the end of a doco on John Bonet Ramsey, you would have gone as if. I was watching part one on Monday night, sitting there going, oh my God, who can I talk 
talk to about this. This is so good. Nobody else is watching this but me. Ah, uh, hello. <laughs> yeah. We're all watching it. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was amazing. And it was just so well done, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, brilliant. It was just, brilliant. See, I think if you you can almost tackle any subject, if you do it properly, you'll get an audience, you know? Yeah. Because it's it's good. Okay. Yeah, I, I was just saying to James on the Seven Days podcast we did the other day at Media Week, uh, the thing is it's kind of whetted the appetite, I think, for the Amanda Knox doco, which is coming on Netflix in a week and a half. Big so. time. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And there's yeah. a few other, I mean, they're doing something with the um, Menendez brothers. That's another case that they're looking to turn into like a that, limited miniseries, yeah, I think, like OJ. Yeah. Uh, I think FX Network are doing uh, that one. So that, and just yeah. remind me, American Crime Story. Okay, <laughs> there's two shows. There's American Crime, right. which is an anthology show where every season is a different story. But the same cast. The same M- many cast, cast members. Yeah. And just one story for that. And it's not true crime. No, it's not true no. crime. Okay. It's just a fictional thing. Yep. But then you've got American Crime Story, which takes an American crime of some description. So a real A real, real crime. Yes. So first season, O.J. Simpson. And it's from Ryan Murphy. Okay, but second season actually stretched the idea of it where it's not just another crime And like this is this. separate to the people versus O.J. Oh, no, people no, versus that is the people oh, versus that is, American so crime that is story. American crime story, the people versus it's, OJ. It's called the people versus OJ Simpson, colon, American crime story. Correct. Got it. And next season, there's going to be another show, which will be colon, American crime story. And it's not going to be a crime like the Menendez brothers or something like that, or Amanda Knox, American crime story, if that's in France. <laughs> Instead, this is going to be a look at the uh, Hurricane Katrina and the way oh, the American government yeah, yeah, yeah. perpetrated a crime effectively on the people living in New Orleans. And it's looking at crime. And I want to watch that right now. Up. Bring that out now. Yeah. I can't wait to see it's that. Be amazing. Outstanding television movie. The winner was Sherlock for the ab- Abominable Bride. Thank you. All the Way, HBO, Confirmation, HBO, Luther, BBC, and A Very Merry Christmas, Netflix. Mm, Bill Murray. Yeah. Now, how did... I'm sorry, <laughs> but how did that one... That's, that's the only one of... No, that and Luther are the only ones I've seen. That was a shocker. That okay, the reason why Sherlock won in this category is the category was stacked. So you saw multiple entries from the same shows, and then it was like okay. the outlier. So if people... Sorry, what were the nominations? It was All the Way and Confirmation? Yeah. HBO. Yeah. Both of those. Us, yeah. One of those should have won, because both of them were amazing productions. But because they had like two or three people being nominated within the category for it, it split the votes, and so therefore Sherlock gets through. Have they been on Foxtel here because they're HBO? Uh, confirmation, yes. I think, has. Yes, I think All they... The way? Uh, yes, I definitely think it's yeah. been on Showcase. Yeah, so and I that should... episode of Sherlock that won too that was set back in Victorian times wasn't mm. it too it wasn't Sherlock modern day and that's on Stan here right you that's can right. still see that, that on exclusive. Stan I just wonder if they're still on Foxtel catch up those HBO ones that's something Maybe. else I can do this weekend check that out okay yeah. outstanding lead actor I might, we mightn't do all these because there's so many isn't there but we'll keep going Stand, outstanding lead actor in a comedy series winner was uh, Jeffrey Tambor yep for Transparent people who missed out Anthony Anderson from Backish Will Forte from Last Man on Earth um, Aziz Ansari from Master of None William H. Macy from Shameless and Thomas Middlemitch from Silicon Valley yeah Aziz Ansari, I think, amazing show, but the fact he was nominated as best actor, yeah, like he's a very, he's an appealing person, but it's not like he was really doing anything then playing playing a version of himself, yeah, yeah. And and Jeffrey Tambor, I mean, even Jimmy Kimmel made the gag at the start of the show, just walked down and said, "Who's your Emmy?" (laughs) Yeah, you know, it was an amazing performance, and I, I thought. His speech uh, was really interesting that he said it that he would be quite happy to be the last ever cisgender actor to play a transgender. And I've always said that's all very fine and well to say that, but you know, I, I think the call-out that he made for talent and casting directors to audition transgender people, because the thing is that whenever you have a role like that, it's all very well to say, let's put a transgender person in there, but you've, they've got to be some actors out there doing it now. So, you know, good luck with all of that. Should you always have a transgender person playing a transgender character? Well, I think no, because I, I use the so you example you don't want to have of, those regulations, do you? Yeah, I, I believe that you look at the Carlotta incident where Jessica Mirai played the part and people said, well, it should have been a transgender. And it's like, no, the reason we're making a movie about Carlotta's life is because she was so drop-dead gorgeous, people couldn't believe she was a man back then. And if you can find me a man in Australia now that you can slap a wig and dress on and make him look like Jessica Mirai, because that's who Carlotta personally picked as being the most representative of who she looked like so it's really difficult in those situations one of the interesting wins was um, 
Rami Malek for Mr. Robot, outstanding lead actor in a drama series, beating Kevin Spacey, mm. who's one I think who's lost a couple of times as well, hasn't he? In this category, yeah. I mean, I think Rami Malek's an amazing talent. It's the first season out, first time anyone's really heard of him, and to actually come out and defeat someone like Spacey for this, like a phenomenal effort. Spacey got to be thinking, like, oh, what have I got to do? <laughs> <laughs> I think Spacey's doing just fine. Yeah, yeah. 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 Don't worry about Spacey. Having heard about Spacey, he probably had other concerns that night. <laughs> outstanding lead actor in a limited. Um, um, series or movie it was won by Courtney B. Vance in The People vs. OJ yep, yep. amazing well, amazing there's no argument I don't think yeah he was great yeah. really really strong um, managed to beat Cuba Gooding Jr. for his role as OJ in the same production well that's because film. as amazing as that cast was <laughs> there's one person in that who wasn't really so amazing Cuba Gooding Jr. yeah really yeah, yeah I never bought I never bought he was OJ he was Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> playing OJ yeah he was like a fo- he looked like he was a foot shorter than the real OJ yeah. for he was start. kind of fun in it in the way that like John Travolta was kind of fun in it but John Travolta while that role required a certain amount of John Travolta sort of mincing around on stage to an extent and that's kind of what made that work Cuba Gooding Jr. being Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah. doing it, it yeah. wasn't. There's the one weak point. Wasn't right. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Julia Lewis. Louis Dreyfus won for her role in Veep as outstanding lead actress in a comedy series. The interesting person she bet, beat, I guess, was Amy Schumer playing herself in Inside Amy <laughs> Schumer. Yeah. yeah. But again, you know, that's. I'm okay with that. I think the heat yeah. behind Amy Schumer has dissipated dramatically. <laughs> outstanding lead actress in a drama series are uh, Tatania Maslani from <laughs> Orphan, Orphan Black. Black. Yeah. Uh, long overdue, right? Yeah, people have been calling for this for years. Uh, she plays, like, usually four or five versions of the same woman in each episode. Like, it's an amazing actor. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. watch the show, but, you know, I suddenly understand why she's got this. I agree. Yeah. A couple of big names she beat were Robin Wright in uh, House of Cards and um, from Homeland. Um, Claire Danes. Claire Danes. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Homeland's off the boil. Come on, Homeland. Can't be expecting to walk home with awards now, can it? <laughs> uh, it's also good that she won for Orphan Black this season because it's the final one. It's had a year off too, hasn't it? Uh, Homeland, I think. No. Well, yeah, because Claire Danes was pregnant. They, or they, they had to uh, accommodate. Yeah, I think they sort of truncate, uh, truncated the time they? off. I don't, or am I no, imagining no, that? Or did she have it in the show? There was no Homeland this year. There's no Homeland this year. I thought there was. No, I'm pretty sure there wasn't. I'm one of the few suckers that... Keep you still there? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Hang still on with it. I don't, yeah. I don't like getting out of a show. <laughs> I, I tapped out of that one a few seasons back. <laughs> yeah. Got to really get bad. I never tapped in. And speaking of missing, no, I guess lots of chat about Game of Thrones won't be eligible for next year's Emmys because it'll be just the, the outside the season. Yeah, so. yeah. But that'll be interesting. That means it'll open it up to the other, ca- you know, the other very strong dramas in their category. So yeah, mm. that that'll be nice. Um. Where are we up to? Lost my little spot here. Outstanding supporting actress in a comedy series are Kate McKinnon from Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I'm not. I, see, I'm not doesn't a Saturday Night Live fan. Yeah, anyway, I know that means something really, to me you know. as well. But um, there were some questions in the press room to the cast of uh, Game of Thrones whether Game of Thrones could overtake SNL record of winning mm. the most Emmys. And I think the executive producers, Game of Thrones, said, yeah, well, we might momentarily pass them, but yeah. we've only got, was it 14 episodes left? <laughs> Something like that. That's going to keep running for maybe another 20 years. <laughs> yeah. So that's not that meaningful a statistic anyway. Outstanding supporting actress in a drama series, Maggie Smith. Very controversial win, Dan. Yeah, what was the bor- it was the boring win is the issue. Uh, who, was el- who was nominated? Um, people who missed out. Uh, Maura Tierney from The Affair. Yeah, who I love. Great, yeah, she's fantastic in that. Uh, Is it Lena Headey from Game of Thrones? Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones, Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones, Mm -hmm. and Constance Zimmer from Unreal. I would say any of those people, particularly Constance Zimmer, um, you know, easily yeah, could have Constance won that award. Would have yeah. been a very popular yes, but we're talking about Dame Maggie Smith here, and most people who watch Downton Abbey, and I'm clearly the fan here at the table, you know, hang off her every word. You know, it's uh, and she does get the best lines. She sure she really does. That show. <laughs> it shows her. you the diversity of the voting, though. The guy from. Um, Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot can win, so can Maggie Smith, yeah. you know. Yeah. So it doesn't Maggie Smith win every year. Like, that's the safe vote, Well, surely. she does, yeah. <laughs> Outstanding supporting actress in a limited series or movie, a Regina King for American Crime. Yeah. Uh, Outstanding variety talk series was Last Week with John Oliver. What do yeah. you think about that one, Dan? Uh, I think it's easily the best. 
Yeah. Like, it's amazing what they do each week in terms of the amount of research on topics they uh, decide they want to satirize and lampoon and try to unearth. Uh, it's a, I've never seen a TV show that's as in-depth and as funny as that program. Mm. And the one thing I think might challenge that is Real Time with Bill Maher, which I love and I listen to the podcast. But I, I would love to see Real Time with Bill Maher here. Why don't, Why don't we get Fox it? Tell, pop that on. Doesn't screen here at all. I do watch it every week through my means. Uh, but yeah, it's, like, a great it's a great show. I would love to be yeah. watching that. It's phenomenal. But Foxtel do not screen any of the studio-based programs that HBO produce. We well, they say they're the home of HBO yep. now. Get on right. to it, Foxtel. <laughs> but, but we don't well, get. I do. Yeah, we do. don't get real time. We don't get Bill Simmons' show. We didn't get After the Thrones, which was the after show for Game of Thrones. There's a bunch of studio stuff they're doing. The only one we're getting is last week tonight. No, well, I think they need, need to get unless there's something in the rights, but I can't imagine what. Yeah, they should don't really get on it and music, really secure up that HBO right. relationship. Correct. And then real we get time, Bill Maher out here or something. Yeah. you know. Real time never uses like video footage from anything. It is just people sitting in a room talking. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So there's no it's reason why that'd be violating yeah. some sort of rights thing. I mean, you could say it's maybe a little bit obscure here, but that's the whole idea of Foxtel, isn't it? It yeah. caters to those really niche markets. Completely. Um, reality competition program. The reality oh. competition program I thought was outrageous. Now, who did win that? Was it The Amazing Race? Uh, no, it was The Voice. The Voice. One. Considering oh, are, that yeah, was yeah. against productions like The Amazing Race, and considering what they mount every season in terms of putting that show together, like that's a phenomenal production. But also beat American Ninja Warrior. And <laughs> I'm sorry, anytime you've got a Ninja Warrior on screen, <laughs> that automatically deserves to get over the line. But you know, that's that's the sort of argument you can mount about the fact that you know, Gogglebox beat Who Do You Think You Are this year for the best. You know, but think about how good, and you think about how much work goes into Who Do You Think You Are versus Gogglebox. Think about how much time goes into a production where they actually manage to catch ninjas on film. <laughs> that shouldn't happen. It's not just one ninja, it's many of them. I think about that they, achievement. Is Channel 9 doing a version of that? They are, and next I'm, year? I'm desperate to know what's going to happen because I would have thought like auditions would be announced by now. I know they put the call out for auditions, mm. but I thought there'd be more right. happening by now here. Well, Dan's still waiting for Cannonball, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> that's my big question. <laughs> <laughs> the the other awards for all for writing and directing, is there anything there, Dan, you wanted to sort of uh, uh, writing... highlight? I mean, outstanding writing for drama series went to Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, comedy series went to Master of None. And that was one of the funniest speeches of the night where, you know, the, the Asian guy said... You know, uh, Alan Young. He said, oh, Alan Young, sorry. Could, could Asian parents uh, stop giving some of their kids that's for violence? lessons and teach them what instead give them a video camera yeah so that they could have a better representation and match the italian americans <laughs> oeuvre that was very clever yeah, yeah they won for the episode parents which is this amazing episode that was based on their own relationships with their parents and yeah it's great tv and anyone who hasn't checked out master of nine just watch that episode and if you right. don't enjoy that episode like don't bother because cool. you're dead inside Master of None also won for out uh, directing for a comedy series. Uh, Transparent also won a directing award. So did Game of Thrones. Um, oh, look, if, if we want a controversial one, let's talk about outstanding directing for a limited series. Here we go. Where if you, I don't know if you've got the nominations up I on the screen indeed. there. Okay. Uh, winner being Suzanne Beer, who won for The Night Manager. Perfectly well, competently directed miniseries. It wasn't the best directed. Like, what else? Okay, here's she what she against? beat. All the Way, yep. HBO, Fargo, yep. FX, uh, People vs. OJ, uh, Ryan Murphy. Um, oh, three, and three separate episodes of The People vs. OJ. The other directors are Anthony Hemingway and John Singleton. Yeah. Uh, the Singleton episode of But that. you've been a bit. You've had a problem with the uh, night manager in general, though, haven't you? Uh, look, I mean, I like the night manager. Apart I from think the it's... star, which you are a little bit besotted with. Yeah, I do like Tom Hiddleston. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? What are we talking about? No, no. Um, Castle, that's fine. Like, the writing on it was fine. Like, it was an enjoyable production. But you compare what they actually achieved on the Peebles versus O.J. Simpson, which is really a static thing, really, in a courtroom and a couple of offices. Like, it's a visually compelling program with amazing performances generated within it. There's just no way that anything done in The Night Manager really beat any of the episodes in that program, let alone, like, it's, it's just not... I agree with line. you, and yet I have just started watching The Night Manager. Oh, have you? I've been waiting, Where you know, you I, well, I noticed it in the guide and saw episode one on BBC First, and I thought, <laughs> I really fell behind in not seeing this. And so I've watched the first episode, and I'm blown away. Yeah. By, I mean, I always knew that I would get around to watching it, but I'm really quite blown away yeah. by... Like, it, it's very good, but yeah. the direction I don't think was really the compelling part well, of it. I just that. think they really capture this mood of the the locale, you know, the sort of laid-back, 
gangsterish wealth mm. of all these characters. Mm. You know, yeah, the undercurrent is, is yeah, quite it's just you know, and I, and I can get it. The maybe the yarn isn't that compelling. Mm. Oh, but it's not the yarn. I mean, I just don't think it was visually really. No, I thought like it was there. visually. Quite There's the episode in the hotel, which that's is maybe more the set director. I wonder what episode it was for, though, because it's very specific. It'll be for episode one, two, or three. Yeah, mm. I'm not sure which one got nominated. Yeah, it doesn't say. It just yeah. says the night manager. Whereas, because I presume she directed them all. She directed the whole thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Uh, and the what I just other thoughts about the Emmys the I think Jimmy Kimmel said the best plus one award go who's the actress who <laughs> Sarah played Paulson, Sarah Paulson Sarah turning up with her Marsha Clark Mark. Yeah. yeah that was very funny wasn't it yeah it was good um, the entire awards I just thought Kimmel nailed it the opening sequence the video pre-shot video it wasn't really it that wasn't funny right but once he actually got on stage and it was really his production from then forward like that's really where the show delivered and the gags he did on the go the gags kept coming the, out they were yeah. really good they were really good they were pretty edgy okay it was completely on mark for making fun of the industry while yep. also still being accessible to a broader viewing audience a couple of jokes are maybe a bit too wonky but even so like it is an industry awards so I think you just need to expect that he nailed it like it is mm. easily the best Emmy um, hosting I've seen maybe ever really mm, and I, I can't think of anyone but- that can you think of anyone of whom topped that performance? I'd need to see the list to remind me, <laughs> but I, 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 I wouldn't be saying today that's the best one I've ever seen. Letterman did a few, didn't he? He did one. It did was the ill-fated Uma well, Oprah. No, that's, oh, no, that, was, no, that was the Oscars. Oscars. Yeah, yeah. He, did he did a few. Emmys. I don't think he did the Emmys, did I don't think he ever did the Emmys. Okay. Certainly not after the Oscars. Did they ever have a regular host for a number of years? Uh, they must I think they occasionally have like recurring. Like I think Ellen's done it a couple of times. Well, Ryan Seacrest did some. He did it. Yeah. Ryan Seacrest. Re- re- remember the disaster oh, yeah. year they had reality show hosts doing it? They, they had like three hosts. Like, yeah. Shocking. No. Pass. And we should pay tribute to the Aussie winner, Ben yeah. Mendelsohn. Yeah. Mendo. So. Where does this come from, Mendo? Seriously. <laughs> he won the Emmy on Monday, and all of a sudden, all of Australia's talking about Mendo. I've never heard him called that before, ever. I mean, he beat some big names there, didn't he? John Voight, uh, Peter Drinklage, and Kit Harrington. And he was the only one not there sitting in the room. And as they, they go to it, it's like, well, they're so not going to give it to the guy that's not there. And they did. <laughs> well, Maggie Smith got her. She never turns up. Well, true. Yeah, another reason she doesn't deserve it. Uh, <laughs> but he was probably busy shooting Rogue One reshoots, I'd imagine. <laughs> Well, that's what's going on. Does anybody watch Bloodline? I haven't got into it. I watched the first series. That was enough for me. I I tapped out before the end. I couldn't, yeah, and I kind of skipped maybe to the last (laughs) episode. There are people who love that program, and I don't quite understand the passion. Like, it's fine, but there's other stuff to watch. Mm, Harsh. And no other comments on um, Emmys? Uh, <sighs> no. Bill Cosby joke nailed. No, I was yeah, a big yeah. fan of that. Yeah. 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 Tina Fey and Amy Poehler weren't funny. No. They got up to do their thing and they just weren't funny. It's like, that was so disappointing. Yeah, it doesn't quite feel right. No, going no sighting of a Ricky Gervais at all? No, none sort at all. Sort of nice to have a break, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it rated okay for Foxtel. About 50,000 people watched it live. Another 50,000 people watched the, I think, the 7.30 repeat or 8.30. Well, that's more was. people that are watching that's Repeat good. of the Simpsons normally well, yeah. on well, a that's, Monday, That's right? a big audience. That's, that's a good a, audience. That's 100,000, so it's probably the number it's, one show it's for the l- day. So that's it's pretty good. hands down close to being my favourite thing about Foxtel, that they did this thing where they started screening the award show live. Not sit there and wait till prime time, but live. And, you know, Channel 9 had to follow suit and do the same thing with the Academy Awards. We have to watch these things globally at the same time now. Yeah, uh, worth noting the actual ratings in the US hit a new low. Yeah. 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 But then all award shows are on the decline now, right? MTV Video Awards just hit a new low as well. Even though that was roadblocked against, like, 15 different channels at the same time. Yeah. Now, I did... um I think if you wanted to do catch-up, you had to go to Hulu, I think, the day after or something. Yeah, so it's available fully on Hulu. Yeah, yeah, and I lost my Hulu account this week because um, it's been a while since... Because there's no free Hulu anymore, is there? No. No, so I it's tro- okay. <laughs> I, I wasn't able to fool the... Um, even though I was on my VPN, they got me on the charging. Did they? Mm. I have heard a couple so, of people of whom have had And you that. get a little flash on the screen. Your account has been, I think, cancelled. Oh, <laughs> brutal. Yeah, they don't let you down gently. Look, uh, let's talk a little bit about Australian drama. Now, there's, wow, there's a lot on, isn't there? Look, we've got uh, 
on air at the moment still the code and 800 words and just a few weeks we've got about eight weeks of survey and we've also got a place to, to call home uh, going that, on that, that's just started yeah. again that's series in four series four yeah, yeah. so that's still going is that starting this weekend or was it last no it started a couple of Sundays ago we're okay. up to episode three this Sunday yeah, yeah. And still then very very good and then we've got Dr. Doctor launched last week no like two we've had two episodes of Dr. Doctor yeah, now for yeah last week last oh week, yeah sorry sorry one. you're right Yep, as we speak. Something will close anyway. Yeah. We've still got The Wrong Girl to come. We've got Brock to come. We've got Hide and Seek and The Secret Daughter. Now, now The Wrong Girl, we should say, is actually available on 10 Play now. now. So the first episode. And yeah. can we talk about what the hell <laughs> were 10 thinking in taking a week off between the end of Offspring and the beginning of The Wrong Girl. So let's not forget that Dr. Doctor, very bravely, like I don't agree with putting two Aussie dramas head-to-head, but this is the business. Mm. So you've got the last episode of Offspring going head-to-head with the first episode of Dr. Doctor. Now, that was very brave because that could have been disastrous. And up against that, Dr. Doctor did really, really well. well what was it, 790000 or something? Yeah. Now, if I was sitting at Channel 10, I'd be going, holy crap. That's a good number. The Wrong Girl should have premiered the following week. And what did they do? They did a simulcast of Scream Queens that was screening on 11 at the same time and got a pathetic figure of 242,000 while the figures for Dr. Doctor went up. So good luck launching The Wrong Girl next week, 10. Yeah, I think that uh, calculation would see The Wrong Girl now. It'll finish presumably on the last week of survey. I'm guessing that's why they held it one week. Right. But it did give Dr. Doctor a window to Crazy. lift its figures, didn't it? Which it yeah. uh, and gleefully it's like, accepted. And I'd dare suggest the wrong girl isn't really quite good enough to start clawing back viewers from Dr. Doctor. Look, I've seen three episodes of The Wrong Girl out of sync like three, six, and ten. And there's mm. parts that I really, really enjoyed. And I, th- I think that ten are, uh, are very clever. You wrote it yourself in the magazine that ten are really pushing the romance thing this year with The Bachelor and Offspring. But it's... And it's, The Bachelor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's on mark for their audience. It is very... Jessica Le- Murray is very likeable. Um, the guys in it are great. And hilarious for me craig mclaughlin as the host of the breakfast show like that part of the show i know i'm in tv and i like tv shows about tv and most people don't but i thought that part of it was really really funny so you've only seen what was it three six and ten you haven't seen the first episode? i haven't seen the first episode so i've only seen the first episode the things that i took away from it was that craig mclaughlin was in it for like maybe a half a second <laughs> he's kind of briefly in it no he's in it a lot more as the okay. apps go along well then he gets funnier nice and funnier because he's certainly not a presence right there at the beginning yeah uh the other thing is that i found that the actual reality they were creating with the tv studio like behind the scenes didn't feel legitimate to me it just didn't feel real now obviously i'm gonna have a different perspective than average viewer yeah but even so like they had this meeting in the first episode to work out sort of what their new segment's going to be and it seems as though they've just spent all week on this daily breakfast show just trying to work out what this segment would be one new as segment. opposed to yeah. you know the actual because i've been behind the scenes these things these are busy people there's Poetic a lot of license come on dan sure yeah. yeah but come on you've got to think that these are busy people generally real. and aren't able to fret over this one segment and they're not able to get up Okay, so between you, you've seen four apps, all right? Yeah. How much is Hamish Blake in it? Well, for me, Hamish Blake is the person that's barely in it. He comes along, he delivers a bit of a gag as the weatherman. I haven't seen him yet fully realised in an episode or even to have his own story the way that I have seen Madeline West and Craig McLaughlin as the hosts of the show. Yeah, he's briefly in the first episode, I think. Right, okay. It's um, I was not going to say, it's a bit like breakfast shows in real life, you know, the weatherman, just like, give him a couple of minutes and then shut up. Yeah. He has, he doesn't, he's in the studio, he's not out like, you oh, know, he's in the studio. Used yeah, to yeah, no, he's or, in the studio um, with him. I, I think it's a remote in the first one. I'm trying to remember, I was watching okay. it on the train. Yep. Yeah. Um, so give us your thoughts on Dr. Doctor then. I love Dr. Carter. Doctor. I just think that this is just is so smart of Nine to make what is essentially a cable show for a free-to-air TV audience. You Meaning know? what? Meaning that the character that Roger Corsa plays is morally bankrupt. <laughs> um, a lot of people say, oh, he's not likeable. Ah, oh, yeah, hello, it's 2016. <laughs> Get your head around it. If, if it's just going to be some lovable doctor in a country town, the show would be as boring as batshit. The show 
show is edgy. And what I particularly like about it is that this is a show about an Australian country town in 2016. It's a modern country town. The family isn't milking cows. They've got a microbrewery. The hospital isn't full of, you know, white people. There's an Asian doctor and a black Irish nurse. All the way through it, there's these little touches where Tina Bursell is the dominant person in the relationship and Steve Bisley sits on the couch and says nothing. There's just all these little nods to make it interesting and not be what you would expect it to be as a Channel 9 drama. Well, it seems tailor-made for you because we know you like diversity on screen. We know you like your classic Aussie yeah. actors. Yeah, and, you get and, it I, all and I love here, a yeah. country town drama too, yeah. you know. And so it's a nod to, you know, a formula from the past. They've done a twist on it. It is the Flying some... Doctors turbocharged bringing it into the 21st century because mm. there's a lot of time spent on the plane and the, the Flying Doctors is very, would very much, I would imagine, being a template, but they constantly go... You know, and episode two was quite remarkable in that the first time he flew on a light plane to rescue someone, this young guy, the guy died, mm. spurting blood everywhere. And you go, well, that's not... And the Flying Doctors, they never lost a patient, did they? They always <laughs> saved them. I can say nothing but good things about Dr. Doctor. I feel it's like the Flying Doctor is written by someone who grew up sort of in the era of, like, Nirvana. Like, they just got a bit of cynicism to them. Yeah. They can bring that same sort of... It's the same sort of storyline, but with a bit of dark-tinged... Uh, Stories generally. Now, this is the one where Claudia Carvin's on the... She's the producer. producer. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? And there's no role for her. No. So I think this is the first time she's been at... She's produced before, but she's usually been in it as well. What's it... Well, she also produced uh, the House of Hancock. She wasn't in House of Hancock. Oh, okay. She was behind the scenes on House of Hancock. Right. Yep. And it's interesting, too, because, you know, the, the, the three mainstays of, Austra- of drama are cops, doctors, and lawyers. So she's twisted the medical drama and yet she's down there now in Melbourne making Newton's Law for the ABC which is going to be a legal drama so I hope that whatever Claudia Carvin's saying there with those writers about how can we make this show not just another legal drama because that's where we should be heading now which actually leads us into and here was me saying so what we're missing now (laughs) is a cop show why isn't someone doing a cop show and that's hide and seek and, of course, I didn't know that because I watched the promos. And you watch those promos for hide-and-seek and you don't think it's just a everyday cop show, do you? Well, I was expecting it to be like a spy thriller sort of a thing. Well, I've watched the first episode of hide-and-seek and I am going to watch the second one, which I'm told is better, but I was so disappointed. It's the very thing, everything I've just said about nine twisting the medical drama and bringing up to speed hide and seek feels like one of those police dramas from the 90s it's so predictable down to the fact that you know the 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 guy gets shot and his the, his wife is at home and she's pregnant and then the feds come in on the case and walk all over the detectives and there's all that tension i mean i've yeah. seen it all before it's a really edgy episode of stingers <laughs> who's in it Matt Nabel, who's fantastic, um, and on a roll this year after being so brilliant mm. as the coach in Barracuda, Mandy McElnerney, yes, um, while her sister's starring in who's Doctor in Doctor, most shows she's in most shows well. on Nine, um, and uh, Zoe Ventura yeah, yeah. is Matt Nabel's wife, um, and then you've got the guy from Home and Away, Ty Hara, who just. You know, one of those bad boys from just left oh, Summer yep. Bay. Yep. He's one of the kind of nameless whatever the cops river in the boys, background. The river boy. The river boy, yeah. Look, it's just just really, I just was bored out of my mind. Yeah, so I did a set visit of her and visited the cop station. And I, because I initially had thought that it was a spy thriller, because that's kind of what we'd been shown when... That's what the promo the tells you. There's an international element, like sure. in Hong Kong or some, wherever they well, are. there's no international like, yet in episode one. They go to three different countries, uh, four including Australia, uh, but two of them were shot in Australia. The only location shooting they did was in Hong Kong, and I know it was their final week of production. Well, I can there. tell you this for a fact. Uh, when you see someone in an Asian village with uh, girls working in the background tending the crops, that's the Chinese market gardens at La Perouse because I took the dog <laughs> walking just to look at it. <laughs> Fantastic. You've got everything at La Perouse, haven't you? <laughs> Secret Daughter next. Oh. Launched this week by seven Sony okay. and Screen Time. I'm just going to say straight off that Jessica Mowboy would be my favourite ever singer from a reality TV show. I love her. She's so great. I think it was really clever of Seven to make a drama around her, but that's the end of anything nice to say <laughs> I have about this. The Secret Daughter is the most 
horribly coincidental show I've seen in a long time. So the premise is that, you know, Colin Friels is this old rich man in the city who, you know, realises he's got this illegitimate daughter in the bush. So he goes back to this country town. Um, Jessica Malboy's character doesn't... She runs into him literally. She hits him with a car. So the first commercial break is he looks dead on the side of the road. The next commercial break, they're sitting under a tree. Oh, yeah, let's just, like, spend the night sitting out here under a tree and he won't reveal who he is. And then later on, her half-brother from the city comes and he bumps into her in the bar with a beer. And it's one of those bars. Everything that the country town is in uh, Dr. Dr. Being Edgy, we go back 40 years for the country town and the secret daughter. So here's this tiny town somewhere where there's hardly any people in the town, but there's this pub that's absolutely going off like King's Cross in its prime. Jessica Malboy on the stage and there's guys punching and smashing glasses and she's just like, oh yeah, isn't this amusing? Ha ha. She pushes the guy off stage and puts an end to the fight it's just dreadful Does and it? i tell you what david fields playing her father and i love david fields but we really need to think about this we can't keep casting deborah malman and just now jessica malboy in every australian drama and make their father a white man every time deborah malman found her father in the secret life of us or Offspring, and or Offspring, who's played by John Woods. And now we've got Jessica Malboy running around with this con artist father played by David Field. I'm like, Jessica's the only Indigenous person in the entire town. <laughs> now she's going to go off and spend the time with this white family in the city. Shocking. Does it seem like a series written for yes. Jessica Malboy? It seems yeah. like they, they started with, with Jessica and they've it. written around it and that's proved to be its undoing, I'd say. But she has some acting... Chops. Chops yeah, because she does. of um, the sapphires. The sapphires, of course. She's yeah. really great. And she's right. great in the role, but I really feel that the material the and everyone around great. her is letting her down. It's one of those really trying to please seven dramas where, you know, this is what we do here at Seven. We make this accessible. Sorry, they really need to look at what's going on with Dr. Doctor and spice things up. Mm, it'd be interesting yeah. to see how it goes and how much Jessica Malboy <clears throat> can carry it. Because it's going head-to-head with hide-and-seek on Channel 9. And to, to me, that's the, the, the tragedy because you've got two Aussie drums that I think aren't very good going head-to-head. And then on Wednesday night, you've got The Wrong Girl, which I quite like, and Doctor Doctor. And it's like, oh, that's the night that I find it really hard to so choose. So what is this Monday's then? Monday's is going yep. to be hide-and-seek and Secret Daughter. And this is what I find a little bit strange. I did a set visit. I haven't seen the show yet. But I did do a set visit, and just from talking to the producer and Jessica about it, it really seemed, name-dropping, uh, it really seemed like it was a 7.30 kind of a drama. Like, it was really geared completely at family audiences, and I thought that's an incredibly smart move, because no one else is really playing in that scripted space, where you're targeting directly, you know, your family sitting around with, like, your 10-year-old kid. That, to me, seems very clever. An 8.30 show, I don't think that's what this is. Let's work it out from the lead-in. So, Secret Daughter is going to be the new X Factor. Will be the lead-in, right? Which I'm just not sure how it's going to go with three judges. It's just going to look like X Factor light, <laughs> a little bit, I reckon. Yeah. And the um, see, and the hide and seek is going to have the block. Well, listen, and look how and that's doing well. Powering the block. Yeah. And the block Mondays, I think they give the results from the room reveal. So there's a bit of interest. So just on that alone, you've got to think, you know, that hide-and-seek might have an edge there. And let's also comment, too, on how disastrous Zumbo has been for 800 words, which, by the way, is in a bit of a sophomore slump. Mm. I think, you know, like a lot of Series 2 shows, they kind of go, oh, shit, we've been renewed, what do we do now? And 800 words is not I get the feeling you want more than him looking for a girlfriend, which seems to be... Did you see the Gogglebox review of it? No. Oh, it was brutal. I don't think there was one person on the Gogglebox really? crew that liked it, and one person mm. said, 800 words, that felt like more like 800 hours to me. <laughs> I will say, having seen Hide and Seek, the concern I would have if I'm nine is people of whom moving on from the block into Hide and Seek and seeing the first few minutes and being you know, a bit put off by it, then flipping over to Secret Daughter. But Hide and Seek, I think the best part of that hour opener is the first 10 minutes. It's fairly explosive, like literally there's an explosion. Uh, I think that that will probably actually hold enough people over to mm. by the time that finishes up, it's too late to flip channels. I yeah. think it'll be fine. Yeah. Tenor promoing pretty heavily Brock. Mm. So it can't be too far away. Mm. It looks pretty good to me. It does look good. Mm. I'm not interested in 
racing or no. cars or Peter Brock, but I'll yeah, watch it. It's not it looks good. Is it to, yeah, to well, it's one that. of those shows like How's That, where I, I, I I've been there, I've lived all through it, but I actually will watch a miniseries like that and learn something. Hmm. Yeah, no, I think it'll yeah. do very well. I mean, I'm good. I'm not going to bother. <laughs> I can say that now. It's fine. Yeah, but um, yeah. all those shows they do work well, don't they? Those yeah. Aussie uh, historical miniseries that that focus on one we've got so we've character. got still more coming i mean we've got paul hogan coming and we've got olivia newton john coming and oh look in the other aussie drama we should talk about too that i've seen is deep water which well that's right it comes out on sbs october wednesday something it goes head to head with the wrong girl and uh doctor doctor which means it's going to be three aussie dramas going head to head it's going to be well that's going to really be, hard that one it. will be punished i think yeah it's and it's really uh, Noah Taylor and Yale Stone from Orange is the New Black. Um, really good cast in there. Ben Oxenbold doing some really strong work in uh, Deep Water. I've seen the first two apps. Yeah. Where SBS might be a little bit better off with this is that I might quite cater to a different audience that aren't really the wrong girl or Doctor Doctor types. It's very a very different audience. Oh, well, right. a different yeah. audience. Yeah. Yeah. Smaller. So, but, well, but, I mean, I'm just thinking there's probably enough people over there to go because. It's considered, you know, one of these sort of weighty, important dramas. Yeah, I don't know. It's SBS. Some, what was that um, thing about the guy who was... Um, the principal? Alex no, the, on death row in Vietnam. Um, oh, Better Man. Oh, yeah. Better Man. Yeah. yeah. The ratings for that were just atrocious. Yeah. It was actually pretty good. Yeah, it was good. But for some yeah. reason, some shows on SBS just... They just don't go there for some I, reason. I think this will tap more into that feeling that people were getting around the principal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess the principal did sort of buck that uh, mm. that trend. Yeah, and it wasn't a real happy... Uh, <laughs> well, it certainly wasn't a feel-good uh, <laughs> better man. Didn't attract that crowd. So, yeah, Deep Water. Yeah, the cast looks fantastic. Yeah, the cast is, is really good. Yeah, yeah, Anthony yeah. Phelan's in there. And, and I guess uh, when you look at SBS dramas, they try really hard to have a sort of multicultural uh, feel to it. And when you look at the cast, you think, well, where is this happening? Well, the first murder victim in this is... Uh, a Middle Eastern man whose family doesn't know he's gay, so that's how they get that in there. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, pl- plenty to look forward to there. The we've talked a little bit about eight hundred words hasn't been doing well. Maybe it's you know that novelty of the first season ha- has worn off a little bit. I mean, I haven't watched a lot of it, but I do get a feeling that. And they, uh, the big deal last this week was date night, you know. But that's. To me, that's the basis of the whole show so far. There's so many potential girlfriends in every episode. That's the real lure, and you sort of need to build a bit more on that, don't you? And And yet that date night episode ended with her saying, I don't think you're ready. Your wife only died a year ago, and Eric Thompson saying, you're right. And I'm like, well, where do we go to with dating now? You've just said he can't date anyone. He hasn't gotten over his dead wife. (laughs) He'll work it out. Now, the other show that's really not... Cutting through this, and again, it's sophomore seasons. The code, Man. it's um, really dried up a little bit. That Craig audience. Matheson wrote a really, you know, you know yeah. debilitating review of it. I guess is the way to describe it. Because uh, look, I was never a huge fan of the code series when I found mm. it relentlessly hard to follow. And you know, I, I went in and watched the series two. I wanted to watch it because the new guest stars Anthony Lapalia and Sigrid Thornton, and I wanted to watch it. But I just thought that the first episode really stretched uh, credibility with sending an autistic or sending a guy on the spectrum to go off and with a wire to do this really dangerous operation. I was like, really? You would send a personal... Oh, I'm sorry. But also, we've seen... Okay, so between The Code coming out season one, which I agree, and I, don't, I agree, I don't think it was particularly that good. Between that coming out and now, we've seen so many other shows come out and do sort of cyber paranoia thrillers so much better. The aforementioned Mr. Robot sort of come and gone during that time. That show does it amazingly well. And mm. then The Code, of which is also has a person with mental um, sort of challenges sort of at the core of the program. And you just look at what they're doing. It feels so flaccid and there's just nothing really engaging to grab you. You're so much better off looking in this sort of post-Snowden era at one of the many tens to twenties of other better dramas out there doing the exact same thing look we'll uh, talk just before we wrap about some of the things we're enjoying at the moment or things we're looking to forward shortly now I want to talk a little bit about the new US season has um, kicked off the Emmys is always sort of the starting point really although mm. a few things do get a sneaky start in the week or two before the Emmys 
but what I like about the, the way the US TV is structured is well, I was chatting to Dan before, I think it's about 137 new and returning series. Wow. So there's a lot of TV, but but it's all laid out for you, you know. It's, like in Australia, you, you're never quite sure when this show's going to come. It's, it's well, always holding their cards to their chest. They always chest, like aren't keeping they? Yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, it's a big secret. We can't tell you when it's going to be and on. You can't plan But it'll it's... be soon. But here we are. I mean, in America, you've got the schedule laid out. Seven days, uh, it's basically 8 p.m. till 11, yep. three hours of prime time, all in a block. The shows don't run over. You can set your recorder, set your schedules, you know. And you can go to Entertainment Weekly and, and get there's a this podcast. And you know when the mid-year yeah. stuff, the fall shows is coming on, when they're starting, all that sort of stuff. Well, just so for a reason as to why this is important, to actually know what's coming in advance, particularly for media, um, in Media Week, we have to schedule articles like a week and a half ahead of time, know who we're talking to, get this sort of thing happening. In the next issue of Media Week that we're going to publish... Uh, it's going to come out the same week that you've got uh, the what is it, Secret Daughter, Hide and Seek. We've got about three things that are running the same that week. We don't have enough space in the magazine to cater for all of that, so we're going to have to run stories now, which are going to be a week after programs that have aired. Well, I should program when when we want them, Dan. Well, <laughs> but I mean, the thing is, like, this is just a reality. If they want to yeah, get promotion yeah. for their thing, I'm not saying Media Week is the foundation for any yeah, but, uh, TV broadcast. But what's broadcast the downside the though if you telegraph three months ahead? Yeah. Okay, this is when. Secret Daughter's going to be on, you know. Yeah. Bloody blah, whatever. I mean, yeah, yeah look at... Um, Everyone programs against it anyway, so what's it matter if they program it against yeah. a week before or three months before? I mean. And look at the TBAs that you see in TV no. Week, some of them, TBA, and you look at the, the slot and you go, I know exactly what they're going to put there. Who do you think you're trying to... Yeah. And, you know, you'll see an ad for Love Child on the back of the magazine. Love Child coming to Sunday, coming to Sunday. And then it begins out of the blue and it's on Mondays. Yo, they change their mind. Like, seriously. Or they suddenly do a double episode. And, you know, you know. It's, it, feels, it, it still feels like they're making it up as they go along sometimes. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Or the um, – and I like using that um – my TV week as well, but also the guide in the Sunday telly, and that's full of TBAs as well. And that's that's a massive circulation, like two million copies of that go out every Sunday to people. TV should be falling over themselves to make sure they get that right. Routinely yeah. on yourtv.com.au, Channel 9's uh, online guide, okay. you regularly find <laughs> gaps in that as well, where they don't mm. know the day before what's going to be broadcast there. Mm. So, I mean, there's obviously a problem where they haven't updated in real time to know that, you know, it's been updated by then, but they're clearly not even letting them know. Like ahead of time. Even Channel 10, con- uh, on a regular basis, do a TBA at 11 a.m. or 1 p.m. <laughs> and, and you go, it's a MasterChef repeat. <laughs> Like, seriously, do you honestly think there's some sort of mystery about 1pm in your daytime schedule? It's a crucial, TBA. Time, it's a crucial time slot. Let's not criticise. Yeah. Well, I think the networks do, and if as soon as the show doesn't do very well, you get those changes come out straight. Oh, we're going to run more. There'll be more daytime repeats. Encore. Sort of, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they go crazy trying to get them in. Look, uh, Dan, I'm, I'm not familiar with a lot of shows, but some of these shows I've seen studying in the US do look like one-hit wonders and they just like this Matt LeBlanc season, a series of Man with a Plan and a few things like that Follow, just like, like, following the Kevin James sitcom which really? is you know they're both playing dads at home you go yeah. you know. okay so this is what's going on this year for the US broadcast season you've had in the last couple of years the network's flailing around trying to work out what's going to work for broadcast because everyone's going off and watching cable series they're talking about cable shows and networks are trying to find what works for them this year, they are doubling down on established IPs, so movies and TV shows that everyone's well familiar with, and they're really gunning at that. Those that are original shows, they are trying to find the biggest star they can just to find a slot in there. This is their big game plan. The problem is that, can you, Andrew, can you think of many TV shows, if any, which are based on movies that have actually gone up and flown? So MASH, I can think of, quite successful. Um, in the Heat of the Night comes to mind. Beyond that, I'm really struggling to think of that many. Uh, yeah. There's, There's not many. So if you any. think about the idea of launching a TV show based on a movie, you wonder why, and looking at this week's schedule alone, Lethal Weapon, when that gets up and running, I've seen it. It's pretty terrible. Uh, MacGyver's coming back. And as terrible as the original MacGyver is, <laughs> kind of fun, but terrible. Like the new version is, you've seen a show Scorpion, the new CBS thing. It's basically Scorpion Light. Okay, not a good TV program. Uh, they bring back The Exorcist this week. Uh, you're going to see Van Helsing, which is the Dracula. Oh God, Vampire that was Hunter. the most terrible movie. Why would you yeah. torture us with more? Yeah. 
But there are a couple of um, original things that they're running this week in the US. You've got The Good Place, which is Michael Schur from Parks and Recreation. It's him doing a show set in a, a place that's ostensibly heaven. And it's about this girl of whom was probably supposed to go to hell, but instead ended up in The Good Place. Okay, because name of the show is what it is. And so she's sort of being guided around by Ted Danson and this other guy. And she's played by Veronica... Uh, sorry, not yeah, Veronica Cr- Mars. Kristen Bell. Who Kristen played, Bell, yeah. yeah. Played Veronica Mars. Yeah. Uh, that's a fairly charming show. Everyone's um, loving it. Yeah. It's too high concept, though. I don't think it's uh, going to last that long. Like, right. High concept shows never really never do. quite cut it. Uh, another thing that I thought was surprisingly good was This Is Us. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. Now, this is a show where if you saw Crazy Stupid Love, which was that fairly mediocre, but it's kind of watchable. Um, who was in that? It was... Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling. And what's Emma her name? Stone. Emma Stone. Uh, I think most people saw it. It was about some people. I think they all shared the same birthday in that one, as well as on this TV show. So the gimmick on this TV show is that you Don't got, give away the ending, Dan. I won't <laughs> give away the ending. I know, there's this is a huge twist. There's four characters, okay? One's like a large lady who's trying to lose weight. There's her twin brother, who is a actor on a terrible sitcom where it's called The Manny. And it's about a man who's also a nanny. Funny. And on the show, he's always just has to take his shirt off. <laughs> yeah. and America loves it, but he feels diminished within this role. Uh, you've got an African-American man of whom is trying to find his father and it discovers him in the first episode. And then you've also got this couple played by Mandy Moore and Milo, Milo. Bensamiglia. Yeah, very good. Okay, and it's about the two of them. She's heavily pregnant with triplets and you know they're about to head into the hospital. Uh, the big hype around it is that there is a twist towards the end of the episode. Once you know there's a twist coming, all you're doing is looking out for the twist. I thought I'd peg the twist from before I started watching the show. Completely way off. Ah, good one. It's, it's pretty good. Ah. Like, when I saw that twist, I'm like, in episode two, I'm not sure it's going to be that exciting from here on in. But it is a very charming hour. And I think people will find that more watchable than they expected. They got me when they said it was the new 30-something. I was like, yeah. fantastic. I love that show. Yeah. Um, where are you going past episode two? But it's, it's promising. Um, Speechless, which is a mini driver sitcom yeah. with her with a uh, child uh, disabilities. Um, Cerebral palsy. Yeah. It's palsy, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's basically about this family of whom have spent so much time and energy and money into making sure this kid has like a decent level of life that the other kids are a little bit sort of uh, pushed to the side and it's them dealing with, you know, living in this family. It's kind of funny. I'm not sure who wants to watch that every week, though. Mm. We're not hearing much stuff that's going to do well here, are No. We? And the thing that is like the winner that I think will probably carry at least two to three seasons... Kiefer Sutherland and Designated Survivor. The premise on this is that every time there's a State of the Union that the president addresses, uh, one member of cabinet stays behind just in case something happens to the Capitol building when he's delivering the thing, because everyone's there. So it means that there's continuance of government, yada yada. Something happens, Kiefer Sutherland is the minister, uh, not minister, the uh, secretary for like infrastructure or something. Basically, he's on the outer with the president. He's probably going to resign the next day, but he's been chosen to be the designated survivor that morning. Something happens. He's now responsible for the government. Really cool premise in that you've suddenly got 2016. What does modern day government look like? Uh, How does that sort of fit with what the forefathers sort of envisioned America to be? Uh, You're doing this in the age of terrorist threats and all this kind of thing. And when is this screening? Is this screening like with Madam Secretary? Oh, look, probably. Uh, Thursday night? It's ABC, so Madam Secretary, CBS. So different sort of a thing. But, like, really cool concept, great ideas to explore. I don't think they're really going to do it within the show. I've watched the first episode. Has promised, but they over-explained everything. The dialogue's really naff. Because it's a network show. Exactly. Yeah. So the heat's kind of gone What about it. Son of Zorn, which Eleven oh, is going to... Yeah. The so cartoon this, superhero. This is a show where it's like a Captain Caveman sort of animated character. Okay, that still like, means late... nothing to me, Captain Caveman. See, I thought you'd More be fun of that. More information, please. <laughs> In the 19th... These references that we're just supposed to get... Yeah. 1970s Hanna-Barbera cartoon. Yeah, still not Oh, for Pete's sakes, whatever. But anyway, animated caveman, okay, of whom lives in the modern day era, but lives in like some sort of parallel sort of world, which intersects with our own. He's animated. The rest of the show is live action. Yeah. And it's supposed to be comedy, sure to ensue. It doesn't. Right. It is awful. It is one of the worst half hours I've seen in years. And then there's all these, the, 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 the hot trend and is like time travel, isn't it? There's a few, there's a two shows with time travel. Uh, I think there's about four shows of time oh. travel. <laughs> Most notable one is Time After Time, which is based on a movie from the mid to late 70s. Yes. 
Okay, sorry, Malcolm based on H.G. Wells' novel. I, well, no. Wasn't so H.G. Wells is a character in it, oh. and the movie supposes that H.G. Wells, who wrote the time machine, actually builds a time machine. But before he gets to use it, Jack the Ripper steals the time machine and oh travels God. to then modern day New York. Oh my God. And H.G. Wells goes chasing after him. And that remake came up with this. <laughs> and that remaking that for the modern day. Oh. One beyond me and you with your half a vague memory. Yeah. Nobody remembers that movie. No. Like, why even yeah. approach it? Ridiculous because idea. they're desperate, Dan, yeah. and because they'll look at anything with a bit of built-in recognition. But there is a really fun Adam Pally uh, time travel show. We haven't talked about Westworld, because I did notice in the new Foxtel magazine for October, they're very cleverly going to screen the original 1973 Yule Brynner movie on Fox Classics the Saturday night, I think, before it begins on Showcase on the Monday. So I've watched episode away, one. I'm told episode two is the episode that grabs you and really sucks you in if you're into it. I struggled with episode one. I don't think that HBO is explaining the show properly because this is a reimagining like Wentworth is the new reimagining of Prisoner. So everything you think, if you've seen the original movie and you think you know what's happening, a lot of stuff is flipped around. And because HBO didn't explain that in the pre-publicity, I was immensely, I couldn't figure out what was going on. I had to read a lot of stuff and go, oh, okay, now I'll watch episode two. Yeah, see, I kind of knew what it was going into it. I found a little beige. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, we both like Gower Entertainment Weekly's uh, the the TV preview, and that's just just come out this past week. Dan, you'll be happy to know they agree with you on um, Designated Survivor. Mm. Their uh, critic Jeff Jensen has watched virtually <laughs> at least the pilot of every new show, and that's in his top five. The other ones were The Good Place, uh, Westworld, Atlanta. Did you? So this what he's talking up. Yeah, the yeah. five things he likes. Uh, so. Atlanta, which started, I think, about three or four yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, is it Donald Glover? Donald yeah. from Glover. Community? Yeah, yeah, it's on FX. Uh, it's, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. can't yeah. wait to see that. Uh, this Is Us. Yeah, yeah, which is what I was talking about. Yeah, so that's his yeah. five. Uh, and the three sort of also just missed out, Speechless, the Mini Driver thing. Yeah. And what uh, I'm yet to read so far in all of these four, go- no, someone usually says it, someone predicts what will be the first show to be cancelled. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I and I've not... That. Well, it might yet. be the one I'm interested in. But the <laughs> other ones are, are better things than Son of Zorn. I, I like the pitch. Oh, the female baseball yeah, the one. the first right. female major league baseballer, <laughs> yeah. you know. Women's um, sports is very hot right now. It is, but I've got... You could just imagine that could be a massive turkey, but yeah. it just sort of sounds interesting. I uh, just finished airing in the US uh, a few, like about an hour or two ago. Okay. Uh, lots of people are kind of into it. So, really? Uh, yeah. I'm That's going to watch... The, I'm going to give The Exorcist a go, even though I've wa- watched every one of those sequels <laughs> and well, prequels. Fun, and Yeah, mm. but the, well, what's interesting about it for me is that they're making it for as a Friday night show for teenagers to watch and because it's network TV they're actually saying that's working their advantage because they can't do the masturbation with a crucifix they have to find ways to be scary without being in your face now there's the potential and what I also love about it it's not just about one young girl being possessed they're suggesting that maybe there's some demonic possession that has taken place already in the universe and there's some people in power who are possessed so they're opening up the story it'd be great to see some programmers here have some Friday and Saturday night shows because they just well, give up don't they and well, even Thursday's turning into a yeah. no-go zone in Australia keep in mind Channel 10 very smart move I think I like it they have rejuvenated their Saturday night lineup. they're doing MacGyver which I think is a terrible program but 6.30 on a Saturday night like, I think that's spot on for it they're doing that Hawaii Five-O and also uh, Scorpion isn't it yeah Scorpion so it's MacGyver Scorpion Hawaii Five-O I thought 5-0. Scorpion should be the 6.30 that's virtually kids show Scorpion. but it has Both been it's worked are, at 6.30 more mm. or less on a Sunday because MacGyver's not a kid show yeah but MacGyver you can use that as a lead in because people know that property okay. get people watching MacGyver but yeah well, it's great I and mean, it's great to yeah. say okay yeah because um, you know what Seven and then just Nine just go with those really predictable movies Harry Potter some you know it's not even a programmer picking them anymore. It's a social media person who's deciding what movies they should screen on a Saturday night. And, yeah, I'm all for 10 offering an alternative. And very quickly, the first show to get cancelled will be Notorious. Uh, this is a show starring Piper Parabo and the guy that used to be in Rescue Me. I can't think of his oh, name Oh, yes, now. this is the new Sondra Rhymes show. Uh, yeah, I think that might be right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Sunjati that's, or something. That's the guy. And I thought, you know what, I'll watch the first one. Cause I d- and then I read a review of it and they said it was the most unbelievable, ridiculous concept of someone in the media colluding with someone in a 
legal department or a police department and yeah. they just went it wouldn't it, it is it strains credibility what the stupidest show of the new season mm. and that says a lot when every other show is yeah. time travel also really competitive time slot like that thing's toast yeah okay look let's wrap this up with a few favorite things i'll start while you two guys have a quick think i'm really enjoying versailles i've still got a couple to go but there's going to be a second season there's going yep. to be a third season even so i think it's great louis the 14th that's uh it's been a little bit controversial in in europe where they you know i think some people are saying wow it's way too dark i mean did this stuff really happen and yeah it is it is pretty dark in places but it's great tv i want to watch the secret with james nesbitt yeah. which is on sbs so i'm and i'm I'm going to be careful to make sure I get it onto the what on demand on because demand. that stuff seems to disappear pretty quickly. Yeah, sometimes. and it's been there before before it? it aired on TV, okay, so it yeah, is so going I'm, to disappear. It'll go quick. There's only four episodes, James. I want to jump on it, and I'm really looking forward to the the new uh, Cold Feet coming to seven. Yeah, I was a fan of the old one. Yeah, and to con- continue the British theme, I've watched the first episode of series three of The Fall, mm. which picks oh, okay. up just moments after the shootout in series two so that's uh that's great Gillian Anderson and Jamie Dorner now who's yep. huge after 50 shades of gray um and the other one that I'm watching and absolutely loving at the moment thank you Foxtel for fast tracking RuPaul's all-stars <laughs> drag race RuPaul won won a logo won a Emmy, Emmy and has a billboard now in Times Square because it's probably the first Emmy that logos ever won right so yeah, it's very funny on cool. arena Friday's 8 30. Yeah. Uh, me, I would say, um, to, look, all I can think about right now is the end of Mr. Robot, which happened last night. I haven't watched it because I dedicated myself to watching The Wrong Girl so we could discuss it today. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was rough. Uh, but the other thing that I'm very excited by, this weekend on Netflix, they've got a show called, I think it's called Easy. It is a anthology series by Joe Swanberg. If you've seen films like Drinking Buddies, he does lots of small indie, very low budget films. But he's doing this thing like lots of really interesting talent. Um, check it out. I think that it'll be worth a look at least. I haven't seen any of it. So and I, I think know. Netflix is also doing the new season of Longmire starring Robert Taylor, who's an Australian actor. Yeah. He got cancelled on is that cable TV. Well, according to TV Tonight this morning, it was going oh. to start today. Yeah, it could well be. It sort yeah. of flew under the radar a bit, but yeah. And quickly too... Uh Election buffs will be loving the presidential election debate starting next week, which yeah, Tuesday our time. Which could Sky be News, eleven one of, a.m. One of Trump's biggest tests, perhaps, is it? Yeah, uh, yeah in the public uh, forum. Oh, yeah, so that'll be fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Sky, I've got that. So it's in your Twitter feed if you want to watch yeah. it. As Sky, I've well. got that. ABC announced today they're broadcasting it. Okay. And also, if you're on Twitter, there will be abilities. Sky's yeah. offering the sort of pre and post shows from C-SPAN as well as doing their own Aussie oh, pre and show. Yeah, because so I you can get your choice. I popped there. it on the IQ today, and it, it I was looking for 11 a.m., but it was. It had started before, so... CNN, know, of course, they'll have about a four-hour pre-show <laughs> and a four-hour post-show. If you watch on Twitter, because they've partnered with Bloomberg, yeah. uh, the show All Things Considered will have their pre-half-hour and post-half-hour show. And the guys and the that Bloomberg that program, guys who are also on that series on Stan, right? That's right. Uh, What's John that called again? Uh, 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 the show is called The Circus. That's it. Uh, it's John Halperin and the other guy. They're quite good. One wears the hat. Uh, well, no, no, he's not one of those. Oh, isn't he? guys. He's not he's one of the third, Bloomberg guys. Who's he? He's the third guy. Oh, uh, oh gosh. But anyway, they're that. interesting dudes, isn't yeah. it? And they're, 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 so there's lots of opportunities there to see some yeah. some good good commentary. No, definitely. All right, guys. Look, great getting you both in here. Um, Thanks, James. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. <laughs>